is not what I am Even though my zip code has changed I might smile and enjoy Where I could be employed Your soul can't be rearranged But it's hard to understand It's so hard to understand There where the fan It's episode 20 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Baseball Podcast, your weekly Milwaukee Brewers podcast. I'm Steve Garshinsky, and joining me again this week is J.P. Breen and Ryan Topp. And the big signing this week was Giovanni Gallardo is coming back to the Brewers, so we're going to talk about that. And we have a lot of listener questions, so we'll get to those in just a moment. Uh, You can rate and review the podcast on iTunes. It helps fans find the podcast, so just take a minute, leave five stars, and write something nice about us. We want listener questions, so follow Milwaukee's Tailgate on Twitter at MKE Tailgate. Email questions to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com or follow our Facebook page for Milwaukee's Tailgate Baseball Podcast. And you can also follow the three of us on Twitter, and you'll find that in our Milwaukee's Tailgate Twitter bio. Milwaukee's Tailgate is sponsored in part by Sound Devices, a premier manufacturer of audio production gear, and they're located right here in Wisconsin. Sound Devices gear is used worldwide and is found on the set of Oscar-winning films and popular TV shows. And if you're looking to create a professional sounding podcast, check out the MixPre 3 and MixPre 6. For more information, visit sounddevices.com. Okay, so the winter meetings passed, and uh, was it right towards the end of it, Ryan, or was it after they ended? I guess it was, it was after they ended. Was, well after they ended, yeah. Well they after end they on ended on like Thursday morning. Okay, and it happened on Saturday evening. The Brewers made their big splash and they signed Giovanni Gallardo. We don't know the terms of the deal yet. Apparently, we're still waiting for a physical because it's most likely a major league deal. But Giovanni Gallardo is coming back to the Brewers. So, JP, uh, what was your initial reaction to hearing that Giovanni Gallardo is coming back to Milwaukee? Well, I think on. Uh, don't don't get on too Twitter, excited. I, well, no, I was going to say on Twitter, I, it was largely uh, why. I I mean, I, I don't. I actually don't under. I di- I don't understand this one. Um, the vast majority of the time, I feel like I can. I think I understand the significance behind it, but normally I feel like I can have a pretty good grounding in what they're trying to do or what they're thinking, but in a year in which, you know, roster spots are not that available um, and in a situation where you're trying to find uh, quality innings, I'm, I don't really understand how Giovanni Gallardo fits in. There's been some talk about whether or not he's coming in to fill a bullpen role, if he's going to be a, a swingman role. And I think we can talk about that as well. But my overarching reaction was I just, I, I don't I don't get this one all that well. Yeah, I mean, when he went to Texas initially, he pitched. I think he threw like 188 innings that season, so he was all right as kind of an innings eater, very, you know, mediocre run prevention, um, kind of what we saw the last couple of years in Milwaukee. But once he went to Baltimore and Seattle, I mean, he was really a disaster. He was only throwing a little over 100, 140 innings, maybe. And just giving up a ton of runs, ton of home runs, and everything. So, um, Ryan, can we expect anything different from Giovanni Gallardo coming back to Milwaukee? I mean, if we're going to be nice for a second, I guess you can point to the fact that he did seem to have a velocity spike last year. His velocity was up to levels he hadn't seen in, you know, half a dozen years. Some of that may have been he altered his fastball selection. I'm not 100% sure. But there does seem to be at least something of a tick up. He had been losing fastball velocity 
on a pretty regular basis, and it he ticked back up a little bit last year. I don't know that that really means much of anything, but if you want something to grasp onto, I imagine the other thing is this is going to be a it has to be a really cheap deal. I mean, we don't have the terms yet, right? I no, no, no terms yet because I think Adam McKelvey pointed out, I think on Twitter, he said since there's no terms or anything, or because he was taking a physical, we it's most do, likely yeah. a major league deal. So they're still waiting on what the terms are going to be. Yeah, I mean, it can't be more than a couple million dollars, right? I mean, it, it just it. So it has to be a fairly minor move and. I don't feel like... Okay, let's be honest. It is a minor move. The only reason we're talking about it is because there weren't any major moves made during the winter meetings. Yes, that's you, that really is what this comes down to. And ultimately, they didn't have much problem jettisoning, jettisoning <laughs> Nafatali Feliz last year after a couple really bad months. Um, and that was on a $6 million contract. I would be shocked if Gallardo got more than half of that. So... It's an even less, you know, onerous, uh, it's even less, it's going to be an even less onerous contract. So it's not like they're going to be tied down by this, that this is going to somehow, they're going to feel the need to stick with this or something. So if he improves and shows something, if, you know, he gets in there and Johnson has some sort of a thing that he wants him to do and he's willing to do it and it works, fantastic. But... I part of me feels like there have to be guys with more upside than that out there. I mean, you're talking about an old pitcher. I don't think though you know, he's, he's not a, that old. He's he isn't he's, even 32 he, yet. He'll be 32 around, on opening yeah, day. He's been around. He's and been I, around. I, I think was what's frightening about Gallardo is the past two seasons. I, I think his walks per nine have spiked. He's over four. Yeah, considerably. So, I mean, spiked. he's he's had some serious uh, you know control issues. Um, in the last two seasons. So, uh, yeah, it might be a bit of uh, just rolling the dice a little bit, see if they can get somebody to eat some minions before Jimmy Nelson gets back. But, yeah, it's a minor move. Yeah, I think in terms of how I see this playing out, I think that a lot of people will talk about the velocity just because people have to find something to hang their hat on. Some people have looked at the fact that he pitched out of the bullpen uh, last year, and it was for six games, but he actually had a sub two ERA as a reliever. So some people have, po- have kind of suggested that maybe he's coming in as a reliever, a reliever, but there's just not that. I think the reason that they're in, that they're bringing him in, if it's a guaranteed major league deal. And if, if it is, I actually wouldn't, I'd be shocked if it was below six or 7 million for a, on a one year deal. Um, but I think that it's a situation in which they need a guy who they feel can take the ball every fifth day. And Gallardo is somebody who over a long period of time, whether or not he's been all that successful or whether or not, you know, he's being able to pitch into the sixth inning or whatever it is, he still does take the ball every fifth day. And so if that is what they're looking for, then Gallardo makes a lot of sense. If this is uh, an upside play based on a velocity spike, I mean, his fastball was still absolutely demolished last year, even though it did have a velocity spike. So I don't see any real 
I don't see anything really special there. Uh, and his strikeout rate actually got worse out of the bullpen. Granted, it was a small sample, and he was still almost walking four per nine out of the bullpen. So the, there isn't much here that I can see that makes a lot of sense other than the fact that they're looking for somebody who just can – who has a history of not getting hurt, and they can rely on him taking the ball every fifth day. And if it doesn't work out, then, you know, send him packing. But – now, are they? Do you do you think it's possible they're just trying to kind of cover themselves in case you know if they have offers out to Jake Arrieta, Lance Lynn, anybody who's ranked as one of the you know better free agent pitchers that they could possibly get? Is did they go out and sign Giovanni Gallardo now just to say we have a guy in case all of these other things fall through? Yeah, I mean that's very possible. They're going to have to be willing to eat quite a bit of money. Uh, unless this is a, a deal that's structured in a really team-friendly manner, which I mean, given I mean, can it be a deal that has been doing that is probably possible? Can it be a it deal that's structured a, so that, like, if they cut him before he makes the major league roster or a certain point in spring training, that like they only own a portion of his contract? Yeah, I mean that that's a possibility too. I mean, they did something similar, though. I don't know if it was a major league deal with Joba Chamberlain last year. Um, but it, yeah, ultimately we have to see what's kind of coming out of this. I don't, I would imagine a lot of incentives, right? Like they did with, uh, Jeremy Jeffress and to a lesser extent, Anderson. I mean, potentially there, there's a question on whether or not he would take a deal that isn't going to actually guarantee him anything in the middle of December. Um, unless Gallardo just desperately wanted to come back to Milwaukee or something to that effect. But, um, yeah, it's, I cannot imagine that this is the only, the only plan that they have for the starting rotation, I suppose no. is, a, is a good way of putting it. And Giovanni Gallardo is not coming back to the same team that he left. I mean, they've no, had, they've had yeah. changes. It, Stearns has taken over. I mean, obviously, how many people counsel. are still on the team from when he left? Is it Perez and Braun? Is that honestly about, I mean, Jimmy Nelson too, but Nelson's hurt. Right. I'm thinking about I, like, cause you know, Corey Knable came over in that trade. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, Gallardo is not coming back unless he's really good friends with Ryan Braun. He's not coming back because of everyone else on the team. It's a different team. It's a different squad at this point. It so. could be, yeah, it could be a, a city thing. Maybe. Yeah, we'll maybe see. Just, yeah, whatever. So, well, <laughs> welcome back to Yavani. Uh, at least you can dust off some of those old jerseys. jerseys oh, my wife goes. is thrilled. Yeah. That was one of her favorite players. Yeah. That and Hardy. Well, I told you know her, what? I go, hey, your favorite player is coming back to the Brewers. And she goes, JJ's back? Like, no, <laughs> not JJ. <laughs> you know, we say this now, you know, we're like, oh, Yavani Gallardo's coming back. But, I mean, Yavani Gallardo had some really good years with the Brewers. He was a very significant player on uh, their 2011 playoff team. And, I, you know, he's also been a weird one where his career has played out almost exactly like, you know, at least some people thought it would when he was a prospect, that he was due to, like, have a fairly decent early peak and then slip off into obscurity by the time he was 30-ish well yeah they kind of expected him to be you know a very mid-level innings eater and I think that's the only thing that isn't quite true is he's never been efficient enough to be really a great innings eating pitcher 
Yeah, well, I mean, I mean if, if you want to say standards, though. if you want to say get over like 175 innings, he kind of did that. But like I said, even the last two seasons, he hasn't really gotten close to that. So sure. Oh, and any time that we're going to be talking about eating innings, I that's more than just throwing 105 pitches in five innings. Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, there, there's there's innings eating over the course of an entire season. There's an ability to actually pitch deep into games. Do you think and Luis well, Ortiz could was. be? Do you think Luis Ortiz could be an innings eater? That's funny. Yeah, because he's big. That's yeah. That's <laughs> we're fat shaming now. Apparently, that was, that's not that shame. Was we we look for innings eaters. That's coveted. <laughs> in, in the. It's coveted in today's baseball market. Well, so. and that's the thing is what inning eating is now at this point is not what people used to think it was. You know, it used to be, well, if you were an innings eater, you would go out and you'd give the team 200 reasonably decent innings every year. That's not what an innings eater is anymore. And now it's, you know, if you're going 170, you know, and making 30 plus starts, you're you're an eating eater. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not that many years ago that you still had, you know, Verlander and Kershaw. Those guys were, you know, going upwards of 230 a season. And I think those days are pretty much gone. Yeah, it's very much so. Yeah, I, it, you look at what the top 10 is in terms of innings. You used to pretty reliably be able to get up into the 230s, 240s, even 250s. The late Roy Halladay used to yes. yeah, get up that high. And you I think you see that anymore. You basically trotted him out and you're going to get like eight innings. Yes, and that's yeah. That those days are gone. Yeah, and they're not coming back. Okay, so uh, getting to questions, Jerry Eldred asks: If the Brewers make no significant moves this offseason, are you a pleased, b fine with it, c disappointed, d upset, or f confused? E confused. I'm confused. Which one is it? <laughs> I need, I need to go check the multiple choice here. I need to. <laughs> I was doing it too slowly. Skills. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was trying to do the grading thing where you skip E for some reason, which e, I've never understood. Like e. Yeah, there we go. You skip E. So anyways, uh, I, I guess where on that spectrum would you land? If and, and what is a significant move? First off, what do you consider a significant move? And then where on the spectrum do you think it would be if they don't make that kind of move? Like, again, Lance Lynn I brought up. Is he your significant move, Ryan? I mean, if we're talking about, I guess, let's go by war. I would say if you're getting a, 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 a player of significance at making a significant ad, you're getting a guy who you're projecting to be at least a three to four-ish win player. Like, that's a significant ad. So better than Lynn. So, so Lynn, is, Lynn is sort of, the, I guess, maybe the bottom level of that. I was going to say a three to four win player is like, a well above average starter. Yeah. Lynn's yeah, Lynn would definitely qualify as a significant move. So maybe it's maybe it's more like a two to three win player. I was gonna say it's somebody for me, it a significant move would be somebody that you would expect to start in any capacity. So like if Giovanni Gallardo is go is being brought in to be the fifth starter, that's actually a significant move for me. Um I, I just say significant in terms of how it's going to play out on the roster, not as significant in terms of being able to win, at, you know, add wins and losses, I guess. Okay. Well, at any rate, so, so you would already consider Giovanni Gallardo a significant move. So this question then is o only, only, for you. only if they're actually bringing him in to start, if they're just bringing him in as an option or somebody that is going to compete for a role in spring training, then no, I don't consider that. Okay. So then should we answer this move. question as if Giovanni Gallardo is the most significant 
player they add this offseason. What do you think of that? Sure. Or is that just too? No, that's great. What's okay. your answer for it? What's my answer for that? Yeah. Um, I'll be. That's disappointing. Come on. It's disappointing, though. I will still largely defer to Stearns on this because I think he's done tremendous things. And if he's sitting this out, I think he probably has very good reasons for it. Um, but yeah, it'll be disappointing if for nothing else than just like a fan, like I want to see something happen perspective. Like, I don't know that it will necessarily make the team worse in the long run if they decide to do, to do that. Yeah, I don't know if everybody's watched the uh, Badger basketball team this year, but we really need a move from the Brewers. <laughs> hey, you could start getting into uh, Liverpool, Steve. We really need a move from the Brewers. So, <laughs> JP, I, I mean, I guess, do you have... A, a threshold you have something you want to see i think to make this will you be disappointed if stearns just stands pat i i would be confused okay i think that that's the i think that's actually the best way to put it because there there are options out there i don't understand in, unless there is an overarching plan of uh, a, a, a trade that they're working on, a, a series of moves that they want to be able to to structure, um, I don't understand this insistence on drawing the line on a couple of million dollars on a you know a, a reliever like one like whether it's Nicasio, whether or not it's Swarzak, whether like whoever. Yeah. Swarzak who just signed with the Mets for two for 14. Yeah. And then the and Brewers apparently like the drew Brewers the line at like, like 11. Yeah. Two for 11. Like if there, if the goal is not actually to chase the Arietas, it's not to chase, you know, the Lance lanes or whatever. I don't actually understand that insistent insistence on, drawing the line for middle relievers because if you're actually not going to be going for top end players or significant free agent ads then you should actually be spending a little bit more money on one or two year deals for for relief pitching because that's another way that you can actually improve your run prevention outside of you know the starting rotation and so maybe they just feel there's enough still out there that they didn't have to jump at anybody yet that they, yeah, I mean, the time I to jump may come later. Is. I would assume that's what it is. But then at this, at that time, again, you know, we'll be re reevaluating this question and we can say, you know, yeah, they were just waiting the market out and they were able to get guys at the prices that they liked later on in the, in, in the off season. But if this, if Giovanni Gallardo is the significant piece and there's not something that's going on, I'm confused on, on this insistence on waiting. I mean, who's the top um, free means, agent that's means, signed? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I say which th this means to me that they actually still do plan on making signings. Um, that they're waiting out the market, whether it's the trade market or the free agent or or free agency, that they still plan on being active. It's just right now they're trying to wait out for, you know, whatever piece that they actually like or well, whatever. Thinking back, when have yeah. One uh, of most of the deals we've seen, significant deal deals the Brewers have made. When did they come down? Like when did they sign Supon? I remember the Grenke deal. That was Christmas Eve or right around Christmas. No, no, no. The Grenke deal was the day of the uh, Whitewater Mount Union game. So like right about this time. It was like the week after the. Uh, it was right after the winter meetings, I believe. 
Why do you know that? Because that's where I was when it was going on. I was watching the game while you two are texting with me about it. And I'm like, <laughs> is this actually happening or am I really drunk? And I, I kept like following along going, oh, my God, I think this is actually happening. And people in the bar were like, I think you're just really drunk and you're making crap up. And no. Should, should we do that? Should we go back and on the date, like replay that Twitter conversation <laughs> when you, you broke the Grenke, uh trade? No. You don't want to reenact it? Because I think like... What no, was it a week really. or two ago? Like the Milwaukee Public Museum, like live tweeted the Packers nineteen thirty nine championship, championship game. game. Yeah. We could do something like that. <laughs> it's no. a navel gazy at all. <laughs> no, I th- I already think that I was stupid enough back back uh, reading other things that I have written. I don't need to go back and think and like relive my thoughts on things and then be embarrassed that I had them. Hey, as long as. Did you just injure Antonio Brown? I think I did. You injured Antonio Brown. Ryan is spending this weekend getting uh, players injured for fantasy football. So if anybody goes down on your team, uh, you can blame Ryan as the uh, fantasy playoffs co- uh, proceed from now on. So um, anyways, yeah, I mean, no, that cranky thing. Hey, as long as you got it right, that's all that really matters for that. Nobody knows anything else that you wrote at the time. I guess I'd still have to like relive writing things, Uh, (laughs) but no, I mean, I think, I think what's going on is that there's just a lot of, a lot of the winter meetings were, were laying groundwork for future deals. And I think that there was uh, a very, it it was a good point that if you actually look at the market, Scott Boris is not doing anything yet. And Scott Boris, I don't think any of his clients, or at least if there are some of his clients, they've been kind of minor ones, haven't done anything on the market, and they've still been been holding out. And until free agent options start flying off the shelf, there aren't going to be many teams that are willing to make big trades either, because they, they want to know if the names start coming off of free agency, then that takes an option off the table in which they do need to start looking for trades instead of pursuing both options so i think right now the market is just a little bit clogged um and until things start kind of moving along i think that you'll actually see a lot of teams especially a team like the brewers that kind of just have any option available to them because they don't have one thing they need they're not going to do anything i mean we're looking at a, a free agent market that is i think historically slow at this point we the top signed player is what tyler chatwood at three for 39 and he was in the mid-teens for most lists I saw. I don't think anybody really higher than that has signed yet. We're looking at just an incredibly slow developing market. And so we'll see how that ends up shaking out. Um, the trade market, though, has been weird. Like, it's been a weird offseason, not just because of, the slow, uh, because of the slow free agent market, but also because trades have been maybe less than what you'd expect the 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 deal for uh Marcelo Zuna particularly stands out maybe as I didn't think it was as terrible as a lot of people thought it was but it still was a little bit for, on the light side which compared side. to what okay, we were Okay you thought seeing. it was you thought it was light for the Marlins It was a little bit I mean they probably really really like uh who was the number one pitcher in that um El, it's Alcantara Alcantara very yeah. very easily could be a reliever long term and I think that that 
deal came together quickly because the Marlins had already talked to the to the Cardinals about a Stanton deal. They had already had an idea of what prospects people like, and it came together really quickly. And I think that if the Marlins wouldn't have been so quick to have to jettison everything, then they actually could have gotten a better deal um, if they would have went and asked other teams you know, what they're willing to offer for Ozuna, but they had a good relationship put together with the Cardinals. And I think that helped push it over the line. And the fact that the cart, I think that the Marlins are, are looking for quantity over quality. Hey, what do you think it would take to get Christian Yelich from the Marlins? Well, now it depends on whether or not the Marlins are going to continue to try to push this narrative that he is trying to push himself out the door. Well, what would you Uh, give up for Yelich? I don't think, I, I don't think he's a great fit for the Brewers. So, you don't think they can give I, up I, some guys I, that are center fielders to get him? I love Yelich, but I, well, I mean, if you're going to put Yelich in center field, but I don't necessarily know. I don't know how he grades out there. I guess isn't he? Hasn't he been playing a corner? Or am I? No, he, he's been playing center. Yeah, he's, he's center been playing last center. Yeah, Ozuna was I mean, playing left, and Stanton was playing right, and Yelich right, was playing well, center. So, uh, a that just shows how much I forget that the Marlins exist. Uh, and B, uh, then in that case, I might give quite a bit for Yelich because I actually think he's a phenomenal player. Uh, I think he's, I think he's a great, great hitter, but I don't think that, I think that all, I think if Yelich moves, I think the Dodgers make too much sense and the Dodgers can bring a good system to the fore as well and are probably willing to pay more than, than the Brewers are. That's fair. I'm not, yeah, Yelich seems like. He would be a he would be a pretty good upgrade, um, a pretty good upgrade. He's like a five win player. Yeah, he would be a pretty good upgrade. Um, <laughs> but isn't that what we're hoping Brinson's going to be in like a year and a half? Well, you can either if, have. I a think good, if we're ho- I I think if we're hoping for Brinson to be a five win player in a year and a half, that's a pretty tall ask. Is it okay? Well, the five wins I mean, a is two, significant. A five wins is a really good player, and he's. I was gonna say, like a two-win player is well, like what was uh, what was Domingo Santana like a three and a half, four-win player, and everybody's treating him like he's an up-and-coming superstar. Sure, but I mean, Brinson's defense creates such a a, a high floor for that because you know he's probably going to be worth a couple wins on defense alone, and, and yeah, but you're the saying offense that... in center field, he doesn't need to hit. That well, you're saying he could have. He such you're saying he power. could have Santana's bat in two years. Within two seasons, he has Santana's bat. Plus, he's playing plus defense. If he was doing that, he's like a six or seven win player, right? Well, I, I don't mean, know, but he, I'd like to just point out that there were only 19 players last year that were five win players. So I think that that is an unreasonable ask. Okay, no, but I mean that's what we're hoping he's going to be. I'm not saying I'm demanding well, he be. That. I hope, that's I hope he's a ten win player if that's well, the case. I, yeah, I was gonna say if we're doing that, then I hope he's you know okay. Mike Trout level. So a, a five win player for Brinson in 2020 is what like an 80 percent projection, 75 percent, 80 percent projection, something like that. Or is it? Or are we talking hitting a 90 percenter here? I don't, I don't know. know. I, I don't think there's that much of a difference between 80 percent and 90 percent, and I haven't thought about it that much. Sure. Um, but I think that it. I just think point blank, it is unreasonable to be able to place those kinds of expectations on players, even if you're trying to to argue that. I think if Brinson comes in and he's a two or three, two or three win player in two years, that fans will be disappointed because he's supposed to be the next big thing. But that's still somebody who's going to get fifteen million dollars a year on the free agent market and is a very good player. Sure. How um, much? But how much? hold on, hold on. One more thing with that. But if we were talking about getting Yelich. 
Brinson would be the first piece, but he would not be close to the last piece. You would have to give up multiple other good prospects, multiple other top 10 guys, I would think, to get him. Yes, because you're getting a cost-controlled player who's already a five-win player. Right. So, yeah, you'd have to give up more than just Brinson. And so when you're talking about doing that, then it gets to be more of a, okay, well, now you're betting against your players. Now, so, hold on, yeah. hold on. The only reason I brought it up is because it looks like the Marlins were lowballing or selling guys for low prices. Sure. Yes. Like, that would be the only reason. If I mean, the otherwise... Are conducting a, a, a really are conducting, like, a dumb clearance sale right now, give me TJ Real Mudo. Like, that's, that's the guy I would really be interested in. You, you'd rather have him than a guy that you know is already a 5 win player? It's just the need is more acute at catcher. They really need like a catcher of the future to build around. And Real Mudo has all of the the reputation of being all the the catcher things, all of that stuff. He has the leadery reputation, all that. Sure. Okay, so we just had some technical difficulties. Uh, had to call Jim in on a different phone. So uh, we'll get right back to it. We're going to pick up on Justin Sponbauer's question. Uh, do you think Stearns is setting a bad precedent of low ball offers? And JP, you had some uh, thoughts on that uh, right before we got cut off. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that there are two different kinds of questions in terms of low ball offers. To, to agents or to teams in terms of free agent deals or in terms of uh, in terms of trades. And so I think that Stearns is, I don't see really any way that he's getting a reputation for low ball offers for free agents. I think he's been very clear what the team is willing to offer. I think he's been very clear in terms of when the team is going to walk away. And most of the time that we've seen, there's always a team that's willing to go one or two million higher or an extra year or add an option year or whatever it is. But I think that Stearns has a reputation for free agent deals just being like, here is our best offer. And if that if that is the best offer on the table at the end of the day, then then take it. Great. Then we can agree. And if not, you know, it's not going to work out. We're not willing to budge higher. Um, and I think that that's a long-term strategy in terms of just negotiating in general. But I think that there is potential that teams are not willing to – that they're not super excited about negotiating trades with the Milwaukee Brewers just because they have a reputation thus far in the in the trades that David Stearns has been able to pull off that the Brewers always come out on the good, the good side of it. And if we get to the end of the offseason, we get to the end of the winter, and that – there, none of the uh, none, no outfielder has been moved, whether it's a minor league or whether it's a major league or whether or not, you know, Jonathan VR is still on the team. Aaron Perez is still on the team. What have you, if there's not been a single move there, there are too many players in certain spots. And I think that could be a signal that teams are not willing to trade with the brewers because they don't want to, to be fleeced at the end of the day, because I think Stearns and the brewers are getting a pretty good reputation in terms of coming out on the right side of those trades. Yeah, I mean, you look at what David Stearns has pulled off in terms of trades. Definitely, the one that springs right to mind is the worst trade, or the, the biggest heist, I guess, would be dealing Tyler Thornburg and getting back Travis Shaw and uh, Mauricio Dubon. Like, that that pops right away as being a massive... But there were other ones, too. I mean, he's he dealt away Gene Segura and got uh, both Chase Anderson and uh, Isan Diaz, and... Obviously, the Jonathan Lucroy trade is looking pretty pretty solid at this point, and you just kind of go through transaction by transaction. There are very few that look bad, and I know that yeah. 
Doug Melvin had a thing about this where he did not like trading and making deals where he was going to fleece. If he sensed that there was like a really big difference, he didn't necessarily want to fleece another team because he wanted to keep the trade discussions open between him and as many teams as possible. He didn't want teams shutting it down for him. Um, he talked about that multiple times over the years that he wanted yeah, to create I mean, I, fair deals for both sides. Right. And I think that there, you know, I, I don't, I, people might roll their eyes if I make a fantasy baseball parallel here, but like there are, there are, I play in multiple dynasty leagues in which there are multiple teams with big rosters that you're trying to navigate around. And like, there are just, there are people that I just won't, that I won't negotiate with because I know that they, the only way that they will ever do a trade is if it is so good for them. And there are a lot of other people in, in the league that will do it, but I'm just not willing to, to have that discussion because I know it's not going to be productive. And I know that anything that I'm going to get offered is a waste of my time. Um, and I don't think that it's a scenario right now that, that Stearns and the Brewers are being treated in terms of like everybody is kind of afraid to do, to do deals with them because they don't want to be made to look stupid. But I think at the end of the offseason, if no trade has happened, that is a potential explanation. That's not just David Stearns and his crew were sitting on their hands and didn't want to do anything because they were unwilling to spend money or unwilling to spend prospects. It could just be that nobody's willing to dance. Well, I mean, is there also the possibility, possibility that Stearns in his front office they just want to wait and see what some of the young talent they have is and wait for that to play out a little bit. Like they don't want to just part with it because, you know, they feel like they have to make a move because expectations are higher at this point. I would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I think that's absolutely an option. I think that's, I don't think that's a very compelling option in terms of how you're going to be able to fit roster spots in terms of how you're going to be placing people back in triple a, uh, there are there is not a lot that some of these guys, whether it's Brandon Woodruff, whether it's, you know, Brett Phillips, whether it's, you know, Lewis Brinson or whomever, like they can't learn anything AAA anymore. Like you can send them down to AAA for a couple of months, but then you risk them getting bored. You risk them, you know, not having a great relationship with the organization because, you know, everybody feels that they're just trying to save service time or whatever it is. There is absolutely a, a, a chance that that's the case, but it's not a really simple answer for me in terms of thinking like oh yeah that's absolutely a thing and if they do that that's great because absolutely they can see how these young players go and they can see everything and then they didn't force themselves into any deal you know there are other sides of it as well that i don't think are that great um anthony pollard asks is there a legitimate scenario where the brewers don't make a big move this winter legitimate in that like legitimate that that was the best thing for them to do you know once you see what like Arietta signs for and some of the other guys that are on the market you know staying out of that or seeing what like the size of a trade package for a Chris Archer like is there a scenario do we think like we we've been waiting for some dominoes to fall is there a scenario where prices are just too inflated this year and the birds are better off just staying out of it and waiting like I said waiting to see what these young guys are I mean, completely staying out of it. Well, they haven't completely stayed out of it because they signed Giovanni Gerardo. Um, That's staying out of it. But <laughs> there's degrees of staying out of it. And they're going to do something else. We're not going to go into spring training with this exact... Even if it's, you know, them picking up some, you know, $900,000, you know, bottom of the bin free agent. Or 
if they grab somebody off waivers because somebody has to dump somebody that way. Or they're going to make roster moves. Like Kyle Loesch was a guy that didn't get signed until February. Like right, sure, right before, right as spring training was starting. I mean, we already kind of hit this with Jerry's question, but yeah, I, there's there's a way that this can be legitimate and not be terrible for the team. It could very well be that that sitting this out is avoiding some potential landmines that they could end up regretting in the end. We'll never know because we'll never know exactly what was on the table and what they walked away from. But yeah, it's absolutely possible. I would still think that doing something, uh, some things of of some significance would be, there's got to be something out there they can do to make themselves at least, you know, marginally better between now and the end of the off season. But you know, avoiding big mistakes might be the best thing they do this offseason. That it it could end up being that. That just avoiding giving away a bunch of prospects for some guy who turns out to not be that good or or making a big cost signing like Arietta, that just avoiding doing something big like that could end up being the smartest thing they do. And it, because they're in that weird point. They're at a, a strange point in the cycle where they're not full contenders yet because there's a number of teams that are really better than them within not only, I, I would say clearly the Cardinals and, and uh, Cubs are better than them on paper in the division now. Well, and they looked better last year because the Cubs had a slow start. Right. And so those teams are clearly, I think, better on paper than the Brewers at this point. That doesn't mean that they have to end better than the Brewers, but at least at this point on paper, they look better. And it might just be that avoiding the big mistake is the best thing they do, but it, that's not going to well, excite I also anybody. Think that, I think that the idea, I think the idea that playing for anything, that any move this winter is only a play for 2018 is not the right way to be looking at it. I think that you can absolutely make moves this winter that are not potential long-term you know, landmines, whatever that is. Basically, it's, it's any anytime that for me, that just means acquiring somebody for prospects that might not turn out or spending any more than a one-year deal on somebody that you could end up regretting is kind of like what a quote-unquote mistake would be. But, I mean, any move, like if you if you, they traded for Chris Archer, for example, we've talked about it so many times, that's not a move for just 2018. And so anything, Jake Arrieta would not be a move just for 2018. So... Anytime that we get into those kind of scenarios, I don't think it's necessarily accurate to be pointing at whether or not the Brewers are the best play, or the best team in the NL Central in 2018, and that's the only reason you'd make a certain signing or acquire a player, though. No, but it does. It I think it does change the calculus when you're ahead versus when you're behind, or when you're you know marginally ahead or marginally behind versus maybe a, a decent ways ahead or behind. It does change the calculus. Well, well, but I also know that you're waiting for the magical time in which like all the stars align and it's the perfect time to go spend prospects to go acquire players because you've organically hit this point in the cycle in which you've like gotten lucky that you're the clear favorite. I mean, you hope that that comes up, but there's other ways to accelerate that process. The question is, is now the time to do that? And is, well, is that's the... always the question. And that, right. que- and that time always is no. And the deal, is the deal out there for it, too? Is the deal that you want to make that you feel has that potential to, to give you that long run? You know, we talked a little bit, or actually we didn't talk about this, but the, the idea of Michael Fulmer came up on Twitter this week because somebody said that, who was that? Bob Nightingale said that he was the best player 
are the most valuable player on the trade market. You you were skeptical of that, and I'm skeptical of Fulmer generally. Um, so that you know, it sure is there a deal out there to potentially be made for Michael Fulmer? Yes, but do you necessarily want to pay that price? Given the situation, not necessarily, probably not, actually. Um, before we go further, uh, Kevin Schmidt asks, is it possible that the lack of activity is an indication the front office doesn't believe the team is ready to compete for the playoffs, as many fans do? Or is it more likely uh, they're just being extremely patient and waiting to finish larger deals? I mean, do we? Th- are they looking at 2017 as a mirage and they know it and they don't want to fall into the trap of thinking this team's further along? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't necessarily think that the team is just looking at 2018 in general, but I, I think that right now that the latter is probably true that they're just, they're being patient. And I think that if there's anything that we've learned about David Stearns and his organization in the long run, it's that they don't think in small windows and that they don't think in terms of one winter meetings. They don't think in terms of one trade deadline, you know, in July. Um, and I think that, yeah, I think ultimately they're being patient. They have an idea of what they would like to do over the off season. And maybe it is doing nothing and then, you know, being extremely active in, in July. I, I don't necessarily know why that would make sense, but that's another potential thing that could, that could be out there. Um, and maybe they're trying to save a lot of money because they want to be active in, in next winter's free agent crop. I don't know. But there's a lot of scenarios in which we could be looking at it. But I don't think anybody should ever look at this offseason off as being a failure because of something didn't, that something didn't happen in two weeks. Yeah, and I know there are some fans that think the Brewers have a lot of cash on hand and they should be spending it right now. I mean, is that, well, is that an attitude that the, the team should have? No. I mean, if they have money, I mean, you could eat, you could eat, you could easily put that in any kind of investment and then respend that in 2019. You could, you could spend it over $10 million over the course of five years. You could do so many things. The idea that just because they got a payment for selling, you know, their rights to BAM for, to, to Disney or whatever, and every team is getting $50 million, that doesn't necessarily mean that everybody's payroll goes up $50 million for 2018. That's a ludicrous way to be looking at it. Yeah, I mean, it does probably, the fact that there's that cash now coming into the game, maybe that's part of why we're seeing such a slow free agent market is that agents are obviously well aware of that too. And their ask right now is higher as a result. They're they're looking at it saying, we think there's more money out there floating around to be spent on free agents than what these offers we're getting indicate. So we're just going to hold back and you know, play it out and wait until somebody starts really making the kind of offers that we think they're capable of making. And, you know, right. I mean, that could be the, that could be the reason that Chatwood and Mike Miner both got three year deals. Sure. I mean, most of the guys who've signed, you would, you would be hard pressed to find it a signing so far that you can go, well, that really seems like a bargain for the team. Yeah. Everybody's been surprised at the prices on some of the guys that have gone. Everything's been pretty yeah. high. And like, you know, you look at some of the projections before the off season and I thought that it was, it was ridiculously low to begin with, but like, I think MLB trade rumors said they thought Arietta was going to get a five year, uh, $100 million deal. And that seems wrong by at least half. Like that's going to be, you know, it's going to be at least 150 seems much more likely. 
Um, well, then why were you asking me whether or not it would make sense if they signed for four years, a hundred million? Well, cause that was the number that had been thrown out there, <laughs> but it, Goodness. I, but I never, we talked about that. It never seemed particularly likely that seemed low, but the, the free agent dollars have been that way lately. That's been it, the, the markets have not been as crazy. There are some, there are some years where everybody goes, well, okay, that seems reasonable. And then there's some years where the free agent market goes nuts and everybody's like, wow, the prices really went nuts this year. And I think we're probably more in line for one of those years. Well, I right think, now. yeah, that tends to be more of a correction when it seems like guys are signing for similar contracts year after year after year, as opposed to progressing from year to year. And then all of a sudden, you know, that, that switch flips and that's when we see the bump that I think everybody is expecting for a long time. And it goes, like yeah, that, it goes those inflated cycles. prices eventually happen. So you had like that. Well, that, and I think one, one thing that should be kept in mind too, is with the market that's going to be the, the free agent market that's going to be out there next winter. You don't want to wait if you're an agent or if you're the, the MLB players association, you don't want to wait until next year to try to have that bump hit when you've got all your marquee people hitting the market, you want to set the market the winter beforehand so that you can say, look at all of those, you know, look at JD Martinez getting $200 million. <laughs> now you've got Bryce Harper hitting the market. If, J- if JD Martinez is getting $200 million, you best believe what the people are going to be asking for Bryce Harper. Man, you don't he's he's going to, he's going to make a billion dollars. <laughs> right. But like, right. Like there's all of these things you don't, it's, it's also that long-term thing that I think Boris is, realizing what he's doing and they're i think they're trying to set the market as high as they can with an eye towards next year where a lot of these agents and whatnot are going to be making bank on you know a free agent class that nobody's really i don't know if it's unprecedented is the right word because it's not like i've looked back but yeah it's going to be insane yeah because it's going to be harper it's going to be machado kershaw is potentially he could potentially hit the market yeah yeah so i mean yeah next year could be some silly money the one that sticks out in my mind would be the 2000 free agent class where you had A-Rod hitting the market as a 25-year-old superstar and then Manny Ramirez hit that same time. I think Jeter signed yeah. an extension that offseason, but he wasn't a free agent until the next year. But Right. Well, and A-Rod hit that like ludicrous deal that everybody was like, there's no way that could look good. And at the end of the A-Rod deal, everyone looked at it and said, yeah, he actually provided. Was it was solid. a bargain. That was a good deal. That first A Rod yeah. deal was a, a bona fide bargain. Like that was yeah. It, it, he he made up for it, or he made he produced to that level, and then some. Like with yeah. easy room to spare. Yeah. So, uh, well, let me uh, let me let me interrupt so we can do some Brewers trivia before we get ready to. Oh, I was going to get to one done. last question. We had a Facebook question I wanted All to get right. to. That's okay. Good. Yeah, let's, we'll do that, and then we'll do trivia. Because Jeremy Reese, yes, on Facebook, uh, there have been a few big announcements at the past few on deck events, a few trades uh, when the rebuild started two years ago with Segura and Davis, and I remember seeing Chris Carter when they announced his signing. Do you think there would be some type of signing or trade during this year's event? Um, so yeah, I mean, there's been some deals, or the, I think the on deck event has been used to trot some guys out once deals are completed. It's kind of an introduction more than an announcement yeah. of deals. And the way that the it yeah. works now with the, the the like the the ecology, I guess, of like baseball rumor breaking, it's so hard to keep anything a secret. Like things are going to break, whether or not it's you know one of the big people who are you know out there or young reporters who 
get some information and and run with it and it it's so hard to keep a secret at this point that to have uh, the ability rarely do teams get to actually make an announcement and go hey we just made a big move it almost always gets spoiled in advance we did see it this weekend with the big uh matt kemp trade well, yeah, that one actually that was, was broken by the teams themselves. That trade they was made a, the that, that trade was enormous back in 2011. <laughs> yeah, <it> was, yeah. <laughs> so um, I guess, but we're about a month out from the on deck event. What's the chance that that's the event where we see like the first introduction to a player that is the big off season acquisition? It could easily be because of just how slow the market's moving. Like that could be, yeah. It, I would imagine if they had something because that event's usually what on a Saturday or Sunday. I think it's usually a Sunday, and it's usually, like, the last weekend in January. Like, if they had something firmed up on, I don't know, like, the Thursday beforehand, yeah, I would I would assume they would wait till that weekend to, you know, do the official announcement and unveil them to the media and, you know, do all that stuff. That makes sense. But if it's something that they worked out two weeks in advance, no. You know? I mean, yeah, that- I, I still think that, I still think there's maybe a chance that if they do make some kind of unveiling i guess at the the on deck event i'm still waiting for a a jersey reconfiguration like a redesign i'm waiting i'm waiting for that i that's coming that's gone through a big rebuild has had some kind of rebranding and the brewers haven't really done that they've kind of like taken little steps in that direction but i'm waiting and i hope it's not like Diamondbacks did but no it's going to be a return to the ball and glove we're getting a return to the ball and glove it's coming i think they were wearing those jerseys like at least half the season like they were constantly wearing the ball and glove in 2017 like yeah there if you were not a brewers fan and you randomly turned on a game you would think that was the primary logo like they well, were even the, they were even the darker often. blue one they still had the ball and glove on the on the well exactly thing. it might be a different color scheme than the the yeah. was it royal blue and yellow it might be the kind of navy and gold or whatever they've had recently but work some green in yeah. there shut up <laughs> <laughs> i mean they have used green like as part of the color scheme i don't remember i don't remember that <laughs> <laughs> the 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 mid to late 90s are a blur all right, so I'm gonna do. I'm gonna, okay, yeah, I'm let's get that trivia, trivia and then we're gonna wrap this thing up. All right, so again, I'm gonna give one clue. You both have the opportunity to make one guess, and if you don't get it, then I'm gonna keep moving, and they'll hopefully get easier and easier as they go along. This game, it, it's makes Steve and Ryan look like assholes. I won last time, right? Though I'm one, I'm one and zero, and Steve is zero and one. Like we need to have the board. I, I don't think to, I don't think anyone board. got it. No, actually. I got it. I got it. It was late. I got it very late, but I got it. All right. Well, other people can correct you if you're wrong. Oh God, was it Jody um, Garrett? Yeah, it was. It was I don't think yeah, I got the answer it. was Jody Garrett, and I don't think I got it. Yeah, you're right. All right, I think I'm over one. So the, oh, the so the first one. I was born on uh, March 11th, 1972, in San Pedro de Macorís, uh, for in the Dominican Republic. Wow, San Pedro de Macorís. <laughs> yep. <laughs> this is where we need a video of this because the the look steve gave there his neck like <laughs> so oh, that yeah, is he looked like no, it was it, 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 that, that's a no Friday. we're gonna need the next hold on, one hold on no 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 1972 san pedro de macaris um so he would have been 18 
Okay, so mid nineties coming up. So you'd be oh, this is now. this is riveting that you're um, doing the math on on air like this. All right, I'm doing the Fernando Vina. No. Okay. Uh, Solomon I did, Torres. I did not pl- yeah. What? Oh, suck it. Yeah. <laughs> what the? <laughs> I, I'm calling shenanigans yeah. on this. This is 100% yeah. shenanigans. You you fix nope. this. This is a fix. <laughs> I, I, no. I am. Tremendous. It's like, that's like somebody. Tremendous. That's like somebody on the first thing of Wheel of Fortune. He like gets one letter and just goes. It's like it's like six words or something, and the person just like boom, like runs the whole thing. No, I'm, I'm calling you. There was yes. Solomon Torres popped up this week for some reason. I can't remember what it was. Yep. People were I talking know. about. I mentioned him I, because I, of the. Of uh, we were talking about the 2008 free agent class, okay, free agent relievers when they brought in but, Torres, Gagne, and Risky. <laughs> but uh, so the other clues were: I did not play in a single U.S. game between 1998 and 2001. Uh, I played for San Francisco, Seattle, Montreal, Pittsburgh, and Milwaukee. Uh, I saved 57 career games, and I partnered with the Brewers to uh, reopen their Dominican Republic complex. I would have gotten it at that point, if not the one Well, before. but that's just too late, so we got it already. One Incredible nothing. Job, one nothing. Incredible. There we go. So we're going to wrap it up on that. Uh, that's going to do it for the show this week. As always, follow at MKE Tailgate. Uh, you can also submit questions to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com or through our Facebook page for Milwaukee's Tailgate Baseball Podcast. Shenanigans. I'll take it. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And you can also leave reviews and help people find the podcast. And we're off next week since it's Christmas Eve. So uh, have a happy holiday and look for Milwaukee's Tailgate again in 2018.